Well, let's get out our Bibles today. Anybody come ready to eat? Well, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said you'll be filled. So let's be ready to receive from the Lord today. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5 in the Word. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Are you quick today? It's good to know your Bible. It's good to know where things are and be uh, knowledgeable, not only of the what, what the Word says, but where you can find things. Because if you're like me, you haven't memorized the whole thing yet. I'm having a feeling that might be in the next body <laughs> that I'm able to do that. Uh, nevertheless, thank God we have a, a Bible we can read for ourselves. What tremendous value the Word is to us. Father, we're so thankful today for your ever-powerful Word. It never changes, but Lord, it feeds our soul. Lord, it feeds our faith. And today, as we approach your Word, we thank you for understanding, equipping, Lord, boldness, that we might deliver it with accuracy and force. And thank you, Lord, that your word changes lives, changes hearts, and changes minds. We receive it with gladness today in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, here we go. Ready? Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so we see here in the Word uh, a list of principles that the Bible calls, in, that the, Paul, I believe, wrote this inspired by the Lord, that he called them first principles. Again, if something is called first, that implies there would be a second. There would be something after that. But the great mistake that we might make at times is to take what is second and, re and skip over first. Amen. And so if, we, if, if ever we see something in the Lord is supposed to be first, like uh, there's an Old Testament offering. It can still be used in the New Testament, but it's called first fruits. Well, is that different than second fruits? Yeah, uh, you know, a tithe is a, is the, is a tenth, but priority-wise, it's the first tenth, right? D does it make any difference which tenth it is? Well, numerically, no, but spiritually and in, 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 in our hearts, absolutely it makes a difference. And, and it makes a difference to the Lord what we put first and what we put second. And sometimes just having things out of order messes the whole system up. And so whenever you read, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that use the word first, like seek first the kingdom of God, right? A lot of times we see that word first, and that just shows us God's priority system. 
And it helps us to understand that there is an order in the kingdom of God in which things are supposed to take place. And so here, again, we see these guys had heard the word. They had heard the first principles, but they weren't walking in them. They weren't established in them. Uh, and in fact, they weren't skillful. So he basically got on their case a little bit and said, I got to start over with you guys. I got to teach you this stuff again. And, uh, and, and that's not a compliment. <laughs> How many know not everything has to be a compliment? Don't ever let yourself become a type of person that unless, unless every word you receive is couched with compliments on both sides that you're not going to receive it. Unless, unless there's a whole lot of attaboys and pat on the back and everything surrounding everything, then there's not a chance you're going to receive anything that's in the least bit, you know, challenging or, or uh, corrective in nature. No, we ought to be hungry. If we're really hungry for the word, hungry for the, the Lord to move in our lives and show himself strong, then we ought to be open for anything. And if, if you've gone very far with the Lord, you've probably run into some times when you realize that you thought differently than he did. That you had an idea and he had an idea and they weren't the same. <laughs> and so what, what do we need in that situation? Well, we need to make changes. Okay, but if we're never confronted with truth, then we'll never have opportunity to grow and increase and expand. And, uh, and so sometimes truth is a confrontation. All right. And, and how do we deal with that? Well, in our culture, we get, we get mad. <laughs> you want to just go with the flow. People take offense. People write a blog. People Facebook, you know, they tell everybody what they don't like. Everybody about how so-and-so treated them and, and how this, and this, that, and the other. But uh, we ought to be a little bit tougher than that. Really, I think, I think the Word of God will make us tough. Not, not uh, you know, like they say, we should have the, uh, how's that saying go? You know, tough on the outside, tender on the inside. Uh, that's not the saying, that's the explanation of the saying. <laughs> What? I think that's cake. <laughs> Steel and velvet, that's a good deal. That's not it, but that's not what I was thinking of, but that's probably a good one. <laughs> it's something about having like the hide of a rhinoceros, but having the heart of a something. <laughs> you guys work on that. If you can let me know by next service, we can get right into it then. Well, let's be the kind of people that can receive uh, from the Lord uh, good things. And even if they're a challenge, even if they're uh, a corrective in nature, uh, according to the word of God, uh, you know, verse Timothy, that's one of the reasons the scriptures are given to us. All right. It, it is for instruction and, and for correction. Right. And so we ought to be always open to these things. Uh, we, we've been sharing with you again now about these first principles. And we've talked to you about, remember, repentance from dead works. Is that important to turn, to have a change of mind and go? And we talked to you about having faith toward God, not just having faith, but toward God <laughs> and, uh, and, and being able to believe in things not seen. And, and, and that's a, a, a very first principle. And then we, we went into uh, the doctrine of baptisms. Remember, we showed you four New Testament baptisms that all of us should experience. And if you've been baptized, you know, you can't just equate that with water. That's only one of the baptisms. Right. There are multiple baptisms that we should all be engaged and involved in. And, and if you're not, then we want to help you. Amen. Pastor PJ, I'll help you with suffering. Baptism of suffering. 
All right. <laughs> and, uh, and then also we were sharing with you last week about the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. And, uh, and that's something that all believers should not only be knowledgeable, but, but be practicing. And, uh, and let me just challenge you this way. Um, that, that was a week ago now, right? If, 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 unless you're new here. That, that was a week ago that we talked about the laying on of hands. If you haven't laid hands on anyone, according to the scriptures, in the last week, you might be falling into that trap of being self-deceived. Thinking, well, I know this now. It's not about knowing something. It's about doing something. Our knowledge is to an end to put, in, to put things into practice. And all, if all we become is a spiritual library, big whoop-de-doo. You know what I'm talking about? We need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And, uh, and, and so if you hear these things and get stirred on the inside and get excited on the inside, but never get to a place where you're actually practicing them. You know, it's like some have, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when we talked about the baptisms and it's like, yeah, that's great. And uh, but, but not experiencing that. Well, come on now. We don't want to just turn this thing into a re- religion. We don't want to just turn this life changing relationship with God and just to a form and just to a uh, yeah, we adhere to these principles. No, we do these principles. We hear from God and we do them. We act as, as if God is alive. <laughs> as if he really told us this. Amen. This is, not diff- this, is, this is different than memorizing, you know, equations and memorizing certain facts and, and, and that kind of stuff. No, this is stuff that we have got to be uh, living out every day of our lives. And so again, the laying on of hands, get your hands on somebody. <laughs> now, not empty hands, on empty heads, remember, but, uh, but, but, but do things in faith. Believe that there's a transfer of God, of healing, of power, of, of whatever the Lord leads you to do. Uh, but we can all lay hands on people to be healed. We can all lay hands on people to be filled with the Spirit. And, and those are things that are, all of us should do. But we've got to be developed in not only knowing what's happening, but then, then doing it. Amen. It's kind, it's kind of like prayer. You know, I, I teach on prayer from time to time, and it's a big Bible subject. There's a lot of excellent stuff on prayer, but you can only take, you can only teach a person about prayer so much. And, and if they do not establish a prayer life, they really will not develop in their understanding of prayer. They might have the points down, prayers, X, Y, you know, A, B, C, E, D, E, F, G, and, and they've got all the points down, they've got the scriptures down. But unless you become a prayer, you don't know prayer. You really don't. You don't have a clue about prayer if you don't pray. Now, if all you pray and you don't ever go to the Word, then you probably pray a lot of bogus stuff, right? So we need both. You know, we need to be taught the Word, but we also need to be exercising these things. And too many times I think we get satisfied. I've done this before because I like knowledge and stuff. But we become satisfied with knowing something. Let's just not be a church that knows something. Man, those folks at Life Church, they are smart cookies. Man, they, you can ask them anything. They can give you a scripture on it. And we want to be that way, but I'd rather be. Man, those people are living it. Man, those people over there, they hear from God and they do it. They act like God's alive. <laughs> they act like his word is true. And they see him show up and, and, and help and change and make a difference in people. Praise God. Well, let's go to uh, the fifth one here today. The fifth first principle is called resurrection of the dead resurrection of the dead we should all have a, uh, a a firm grip and an understanding on what it means to be resurrected from the dead and and what the scriptures say about this look at first corinthians 15 with me i've got a number of scriptures here everybody ready 
I hope everyone came to do some work. We're going to get into something. We're going to get something so we can uh, have this revelation inside of us. 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, let's begin reading here in verse 12. It says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So he, the group he's talking to, they had a bunch of people said, oh, that resurrection's from the dead stuff. That's bogus. That's nonsense. That's not real. He said, how can you even say that? Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ has not risen. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he's basically saying that all of Christianity, all of our faith and all of our walk with God hinges upon the reality that Jesus is raised from the dead. And so resurrection from the dead is a God thing. It's something that God ordained. It's something that God designed. Now, in our teaching today, I want to be clear and distinguish this from people being raised from the dead in a physical way. Well, this is kind of physical, but uh, you know when someone dies... Uh, Maybe they die too young and then they are raised back up from the dead. Like in the scriptures, Lazarus, Jesus' friend Lazarus. Uh, like, uh, who else was raised from the dead? That lady, uh, Dorcas. Uh, you know, and, and, and different people were raised from the dead in, in, the, uh, in the New Testament. That's not the resurrection from the dead as a doctrine, as a first principle that we're talking about. Now, those things are real. We believe in that. You know, people can be raised from the dead today, and, uh, and many people are. I was hearing testimony just, just recently of a particular minister. He, minister, he was from Africa, and man, they're just having, uh, he personally saw eight, and, he, and of those who, was, who were then influenced by his ministry, I guess they, ha they had seen over 100 people raised from the dead. Now, and he said they only counted the ones that were dead for at least a day. If they were just dead for a few hours, they didn't count them. <laughs> It's like, ah, you weren't dead long enough, <laughs> you know, because I guess they just didn't want to mistake it with, you know, this person maybe was just really sleepy and, and then all of a sudden they're saying, oh yeah, we got one and it's not real. So in their situation, they were only counting the other kind. Uh, and, and so we thank God for those kind of things. And, and certainly, uh, that's a, that's a va valuable thing, especially if you're the one that die or, or lost the person uh, but when we talk about resurrection from the dead here we're not speaking specifically about that but why is there resurrection from the dead uh, well it's because dead is bad and, and dead was never God's idea <laughs> dead was never God's plan from the beginning he didn't design us that we would die physically he didn't design that everything that there would be death for all the all the stories I've heard from those who've had visions of heaven that graphically explain how there's no death at all the plants the flowers the fruit the everything just kind of it's always healthy and perfect and there's no dead anything dead and dead and god don't go together but yet here we are in a sin-filled world where man has fallen through sin and uh, and death exists 
And death in many forms and fashions exists. Not just talking about the physical body, but death works in people's lives and and relationships and marriages. and, And there's death of all kinds of things. And that has never been God's plan. He never designed us and wanted us to experience death like that. He's a God of life. And, and abundance and love and joy and peace and, and, and beyond our comprehension. He's alive. Okay. And death is not his plan. But yet here it is through sin. We've got to deal with it. So God in his, just the what kind of the way he is, he came up with a solution. You know what it's called? Resurrection. Yeah. He is a master of taking things dead and making them alive again. Oh, he does that in the short term and in the long term. I tell you what, I've seen him take relationships that were dead and they have been revived. (laughs) They have been restored. Of course, we've seen bodies who were ravaged with disease healed. They were dead, dying. Death was working in them and they were made alive. And so God works his resurrection power through us in many, many different ways. Never look at something, never look at something that's seen, something that is in the natural world and and, and call it permanent. Not when the, not when Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Come on now. I I don't think that we, we, we should just be so carnally minded and temporal in our thinking let's see the reality of god's power and what it can do he is resurrection and so resurrection fixes dead things but today let me share with you three biblical resurrections that uh, we should have a good grasp and understanding of okay the first one is john chapter five i want you to look with me at john the fifth chapter John, the fifth fifth chapter. Again, resurrection is something that God does. It's his solution to dead things. And resurrection is a first principle that all believers should have a firm grasp and understanding of so that they can move on into other areas. John 5, verse 24. Jesus speaking here said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Are they going to get everlasting life? No, they, they has it, right? They ha, they ha, he has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life, death unto life. Verse 25, most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Those who hear will live. Now, what the dead hear, the voice of the Son, and live. What is that talking about? This is, this is my first point today. But this is, based, this is the first resurrection. And this is what every single one of us either have or need to, real quick, experience. This is called salvation. This is called a dead spirit being resurrected unto life. And the person who believes on the name of the Son of God, they are resurrected from death to life. It's being born again. It's the, the, it, the new birth is the resurrection of our spirits. Praise God. So if, if, you're spirit, if you are spiritually alive, uh, the only way you got there is that you were resurrected. Because before that, you were spiritually dead. All right? Spiritually dead. Hold your finger there and look at Ephesians chapter 2. Just saving you a spot there. Ephesians chapter 2. 
verse number 4, Ephesians 2, 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Uh, By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, and so we we can see here again, the Bible uses this language very clearly that that we, apart from salvation and apart from the Lord Jesus, are spiritually dead. Death is a term that basically means separation. We were separated from God by sin. He said, you were dead, but now you are alive. Come on, say it with me. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Yeah, that's a good revelation to understand. You're no longer a dead spirit. You're no longer cut off and separated from the Lord. Someone said, I feel so far away at times from God. Well, you're not. (laughs) If that helps, you're not. Your feelings are lying to you. Your feelings are based on your emotional perception of the moment. But the reality is, spiritually, you're tight with the Lord at all times for all eternity because you've made Jesus your Lord. Amen. That's why, let me just side note this, that's why uh, salvation, real salvation, is not a matter of I've repaired my behavior, I've started to act like a Christian, now I speak Christianese and do good things. Because how many know the, the problem with religions of all kind all around the world is no matter what you teach, No matter what you say, no matter what you do, you still have a dead spirit. Some say, I believe in this and this and this and this. Okay, but what about you? You're still dead. Something has to fix dead. Because dead doesn't go to heaven. Dead can't be with God. God doesn't embrace dead. Right? And so that's, that's why you can see the value of the new birth. And being born again is because something has to be done. You know, if you have friends that are involved with, with, with religious ideas and, and spiritual ideas that, uh, that are contrary to the words of Jesus, and they say, I believe this and this, and they can go through and, and, and talk about this, fine. You know, you can argue all kinds of points and, and dispute different theological issues. But it comes down to this. Are you alive or dead? And if you're not, you know, if you've ever sinned, you're dead. Sin kills things. Bam. Remember, uh, God told Adam, the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And yet he didn't die physically for hundreds of years. But did he die? Absolutely he died. Spiritual death came into him at that very moment. What has been done to fix that? And if I have not passed from death to life, I'm still spiritually dead. I might want life. I might want God in my life. I might try real hard to get him into my life. I I might try to do as much as I can. But if I'm still dead, that's the problem. Amen. And so name name your belief system. You know, name your whatever you want to choose. But how does it make you alive? There is only one, quote, religion or one solution that offers a way for someone to be transformed from death to life, to be resurrected. 
And that's provided in Scripture and Christianity in the, in, in the Bible, where you have a way to be resurrected. While I'm talking, how many understand that this happens even in Christian circles in our day, in our country, where people, they, if you look at the, the, the belief system of a group, of an organization, it's correct, but practically speaking, they don't ever lead people into life. There's no resurrections taking place. They'll baptize them. They'll make them members. They'll put them in charge of something. They'll serve. They do all these things as dead spirits, and they only work with the soul. And the soul, the mind begins to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but there's still death inside of them. You know, that's why uh, I think I always think it's such a powerful uh, testimony of Kenneth E. Hagin when he was, a, uh, he, he was Baptist. And uh, he was a teenager, and he was on his deathbed. And at one point, did I, have I told this in here recently? And uh, uh, but he, he he was on his deathbed, and he had you know incurable blood disease and uh, you know heart deformed heart and that kind of stuff. And and he got to a point where they the doctor said we can't do anything. Is he's at home in his bed, and uh, and basically he's going to die. And he did die. And he he tells a story how he went out of his body and started going down. He looked at, you know, he's watching the lights of the earth flicker and fade away as he goes down, 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 down. And, he, and basically had, had this experience. He got down to the bottom uh, and, uh, and he said a voice spoke. He said there was a creature to his, off to his side that he wouldn't look at, but he knew it was there. He said, I believe I was at the entrance to hell. He said it was a very dark place. And I said, I couldn't look over there. And, uh, but this voice spoke wasn't in the English language. He said, I believe it was Jesus. He said, the whole place shook, and I started coming back up. And he, got, he went ran up and showed up in his room and then jumped into his body. And there was someone there, and he started talking with him again. And, uh, and see, see if he, he, he was a Christian, kind of. <laughs> I mean, not by biblical definition, but by cultural definition, he was. Okay? And he had this experience that actually happened three times. On the, he, he explains the story on the third way down he was screaming and arguing with god he said i belong to the church he said i've been baptized in water he said i'm trying to tell god i'm going the wrong way and he said you know he tells a story with quite more bit more passion than i'm able to uh but he said thank god that voice spoke again and he came up on the third time, third time up. He said, I was praying. When I got back into my body, my physical voice picked up mid-sentence. And I got born again. He had a resurrection. Not physically. He later got healed physically as well and lived into his 80s. Uh, but he, he was born again spiritually right there. And so that's the difference. It's not about, I just believe all the right things. Now, have you experienced life? Have you been resurrected from the dead? And, and scripturally speaking, that this is the first resurrection. We were dead, and, and I, now let me correct my language because I'm going to confuse you if I don't. Don't call that the first resurrection. That's number two. <laughs> this is the first of my points in, uh, in explaining resurrection from the scriptures, okay? Now, let's go on to number, uh, number two and, and go back to John 5. This, scripturally speaking, is called the first resurrection, okay? Point number two in your notes today. In the scripture, it is called the first resurrection. This is the resurrection of believers. Okay, this is the resurrection of resurrected people. If you take into account point number one, that the, that the new birth is people being raised from the dead. We have heard the voice of the Son of God. How many know hearing the voice of God doesn't always 
sound like you think it's going to sound. People don't realize that. Man, I've never heard from God. If you've been born again, you have. Jesus just told us right there. We heard the voice of him. And we were transferred from death to life. We were resurrected into life. If you're saved, you've heard the voice of God. Wow. I didn't even know I did hear. You did. Yeah. And so stop looking for it in the way that you think. That it's going to sound just like, you know, someone else. It sometimes comes in a, in a different way. Okay, John 5 again now. This is just after what we read previously. John five twenty eight. He said, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming... Now, notice the different language there. You remember previously, he said the hour is coming and now is. It's because he's just about to go to the cross and this thing is about to be done. And that was something that was present tense. But now he says, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming. In which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Okay. And so this is what the Bible calls, and we'll see it in a minute in Scripture, what the Bible calls the first resurrection. It is the resurrection of believers, not of all people, but of those who have been saved. It is resurrection of believers. Look at the sixth chapter in verse 39. Chapter 6 and verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. What is he going to do? He is going to raise it up. So there is a resurrection that is yet to come. It is in the future. Um, there is a, re- you know, listen, all people saved and lost will be resurrected. But not, they will not all be resurrected at the same time. Okay. This is a resurrection of believers. We understand this, that that uh, at physical death, basically the spirit and the soul are separated from the body. That's what death is there. And the, the scriptures tell us without the spirit and the soul, the body cannot live. Okay? The spirit and the soul are separated from the body. And that's when the body is physically dead, you know, at the... At the cemetery, the, gra- the graveyard, that kind of stuff. I mean, no, there's nobody there. I mean, the the land guy, the landscaper, and and the maintenance guy, and, and and you know those folks. But there's nobody else there. There's no. But people sometimes. I'm gonna go visit mom at at the cemetery. I'm gonna go visit dad at the. Ce- well, I understand what that is emotionally, and that's okay, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, they're not there. Okay. And then no matter how many movies Hollywood makes about cemeteries. You know, being spooky, being like, ooh, cemetery, you know, there's dead people around there. No, there aren't any dead people there. There are only bodies there and in various states of decay. Uh, but uh, there, there's no people there. All right. No one is seeing dead people. Okay. Not, none of these guys on TV or, or these movies that make where, where they're having, they're not having conversations with pre- people who have died previously and now they're getting messages from you. You know, these, these guys who get on there and they say, yeah, uh, your, your grandmother liked, she liked to wear blue. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, and uh, she had a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and they're, they're talking with their dead relative. Not true. Not true at all. If anything is supernatural there, it's called familiar spirits. 
It is. There are demon spirits that are familiar with people's family history and life. Why? Because scripturally speaking, when someone leaves their body, their spirit and their soul leave. If they're a believer, they go directly into the presence of God. Directly, immediately. No, no holding ground. There's not like a purgatory or something where they have to wait and get bought out through offerings or anything like that. And, uh, and then they go into heaven. Not nothing like that. You, if you were to die today as a believer, instantly you'll be transferred into the presence of God. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Non-believers go directly to hell. They're, they're in a place of departed spirits. It is separate from God. It's not fun. But there are no people in the middle. Okay? And so when it comes to resurrection, everybody's going to be resurrected at some point. Uh, but not all at the same time. All right? Look at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, let's read verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep simply refers to physical death. Lest you have sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And so this shows us this resurrection of believers. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Let's bring these two together here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. See, at the rapture of the church, in other words, that, that just simply means the time when we, like the scripture said there, we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Those who previously died in Christ will first pick up their bodies. Then we who are alive will be changed in a moment. Okay? Let's read this scripture, then I'll, I'll say something else about that. First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 50. 1550. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. What does it mean, a mystery? Well, it's not, not going to be a mystery anymore as soon as he says it. Right? But prior to this, this was a mystery. It wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. wasn't revealed in the ministry of Jesus. It was reserved and saved for the church age. Okay? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. You know, not everybody's going to die. There are going to be a group of people that are alive when Jesus comes back. Okay? He said, but we'll, we will all be changed. How many is all? All believers. He said, he's talking to the church here. We'll all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. We shall be changed. And so this is talking about the resurrection again of believers. So the order of events kind of goes like this is that those who have already died in Christ, they are going to come and pick up their physical body. Now, I know that's, gonna, that's quite a miracle of itself, but all this is, is power of God type of stuff. Because if, if your body's been dead for quite a while, who knows where it's at? You know, scattered around the earth. <laughs> and, but God, in a moment, is going to bring molecules and atoms from everywhere. And 
bring them back together. And then those people who are with the Lord now, they're going to come scoop up that body. And it's going to be glorified body, just like the Lord Jesus. Just like after he was raised from the dead. Glorified body that can walk through walls and do all kinds of stuff and, and go from one place to another, just like that. No taking the bus, no riding on an airplane. I'm just going to go. That's pretty cool. All right. But then at, right after that, I don't know how quick, if it's just like bam, bam or, or what, but they get theirs first. If you died first, then you're, you're still, you, you in first. And you, they get their, pick their bodies up and they're glorified. And then we are, what happens to us? We are changed in a moment. Now, many times people think of meeting the Lord in the air, what we call the rapture of the church. Uh, we think of that happening in an instant. And, and we have imagery and there's movies and, and books and so forth about it, about how when, when that happens, how we are just going to be gone, just like that, out of here. Uh, that might happen. I'm not, I can't dispute that necessarily, but it's interesting to me that these scriptures don't exactly say that. It just says we'll be changed in a moment. It doesn't say we'll be transported in a moment. The transportation could take a minute, possibly. But I know this, we'll be going along one day, and all of a sudden, whoa, nice. And everything, I mean, your body is fixed and is glorified. It is like the body of Jesus. It's a glorified body. I only can't even explain that hardly. It, it, it'll look good and feel good and be something of a completely different, uh, I don't know, stuff. Same body, but fixed by God completely and glorified not just a not just a fixed body in the way that you have it but way better okay but that's going to happen instantly then we are going to meet the Lord in the air now I always have thought about this people in the Bible and I have an example of going to be with the Lord without physical death are Enoch of the Old Testament and it doesn't say how that happened with him he was just they couldn't find him he was just not right so we don't have record, but we do have Elijah, and Elisha got to see him go. He went up in that chariot, you know. Nowadays, it might be a car or something, you know. But all of a sudden, he went up to be with the Lord in his chariot, chariot and, and so he was seen leaving. And the other person is Jesus, right? When Jesus, after he was resurrected, he had the glorified body, so that's very similar to this. They saw him go. It's like he, you know, he didn't go, poof. But at some slower pace, took off. I, I can't demonstrate that for you today. But <laughs> <laughs> don't have that good a hang time. But, uh, but I wonder, again, I, 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 just th I'm, I think about these things. I, I wonder, maybe that's going to be it's the way it's going to happen with us. If we're still alive at that time it, on the earth physically, we'll be changed in a moment, poof, and then go. And everyone's going, hey, where are you going? <laughs> I mean, all the heathens. And maybe they'll be grabbing on. Take me, take me. And we'll be saying, no, believe on the Lord. Quick. <laughs> Re Revelation chapter 20. Let's look over here. We'll finish up. And I'll, I'll give you number the third one here too. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. It says, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. What's the second death? I mean, no, that's eternal death.
That's separation from God forever. It's not just physical death. It's not just spiritual death. It is physical death plus spiritual death. And that equals eternal death or the second death. Okay. But they uh, shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so all those who are a part of the first resurrection, nice way to go. Come on, we are going to reign. It also includes those who are alive and remain uh, at the time of these of these uh, amazing events. But this is called, in the scripture now, the first resurrection. The last resurrection that I want to share with you uh, is number three in my in my uh, notes here today. And that is the resurrection of unbelievers. Okay? There's the, there's the born-again person, the person going from spiritual death to spiritual life. Resurrection. There is a resurrection of believers. And there is... The resurrection of unbelievers, okay? They do not rise at the second coming. When Jesus comes back, they don't come out of the grave. They don't leave hell. They, they, uh, uh, but they are raised to judgment a thousand years later. After the millennial reign of Christ, that's when every person who has ever lived, uh, who has rejected the Lord, they also experience a resurrection. And the scripture says that they will stand before uh, uh, before God, it's called the great white throne. And that, that's where final judgment takes place for every single person. And that's uh, right next to the scripture right before it. You, know, you can read the whole context on your own. But Revelation 20, verse 5, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Until the thousand years were finished. And then the last statement there refers to the part before and after the first resurrection until the thousand years were finished. So at the end of that thousand year period, we are ruling and reigning with Christ. Those who are already accepted the Lord, then that's the final judgment. And those who have already perished outside of Christ will stand before God and uh, give an account for their life. Amen. We've got some good things to look forward to. Thank God. Let's here. Here's our focus today, though. Here's our focus in when I say today in this time in our lives now in the earth is we need to make sure that we get as many people resurrected as possible. What am I talking about? I'm talking about leading people in the new birth. Blessed are they who take part in that first resurrection. You don't get to take part in that unless you've been raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. And uh, and that and that's our focus. That's our heart's desire for all people. Receive what the Lord has already given you. Amen. Amen. Father, we're so thankful today for, for your spirit working in us. Lord, helping us, yes, to be educated, but, but so that we can be doers of the word, so that we can lead others into this knowledge that we have, that they might receive and benefit from, from you, the resurrection and the life. And today, Lord, Lord, we thank you for helping us to be equipped, to be prepared to be thoroughly furnished unto every good work and meet for the master's use. Lord, we believe that you're alive today. And Lord, now because of that, we are alive today. We're alive on the inside. We hear your voice. We recognize what you're saying and doing in the earth and in our lives. We respond to you and thank you. Thank you for the abundance of your grace that flows to us and now flows through us to others. Lord, help us to have an understanding of the serious nature of the things that are coming very shortly. Not for fear, but Lord, we're supposed to be comforted with these words. 
And may we minister this comfort to others as well. Thank you for helping us to walk in your plan. To understand your ways. To understand what's coming. To understand what is now. Lord, we believe that you're at work in us now. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and glory. Amen.